I mean, it's it's baffling what's going on through his head when he's doing that. I mean, he was about as committed to Arsenal as John Terry was to his friendship at Wayne Bridge. And the only <laughs> tattoo I can think of that would be worse would be if it was Mesut Ozil's face instead of his own. This is Tim Sherwood. The Villa podcast win ratio is second to none. They said that he physically shattered his own body. They said it was like something from a Hollywood film. They said the United players were ready to revolt at the prospect of coming to training instead of sitting on their arses for the day. But the sight of Eric Ten Hag lacing up his boots to go running 8.5 miles with them left a lasting impression on them. 8.5 miles. One of two things. Either they've completely underestimated the capabilities of a 52-year-old man's body, a former professional sports person nonetheless, <laughs> who's obviously, so obviously in really good health still. Or, or you know, if he was running with them, it wasn't exactly the most grueling of runs, was it? <laughs> like it's one, one or the other. They've been taking the piss with the run, or they really just thought, like, how could a 52-year-old run eight miles? Well... <laughs> you know you know what I think about your friends in the media they're all just sitting behind the keyboard bashing something out I have no idea about sport or physicality Connor. <laughs> but also this is just so fucking grim like this is like what we were talking about a few weeks ago where Bruno Fernandes revealed that the Manchester United players were now expected to turn up to training on time <laughs> this is the fucking depths that Eric Ten Hag has to go to to get this Manchester United team into shape but look Work. Yeah, well, he's off to a flyer anyway. He's inspired that lot. Um, a flyer? He's <laughs> won one out of three, but yeah. um, how everything can change. You look at Newcastle up there having a party. They've won one out of three as well. They they, they blew a 2 0. Like, they blew a 2 0 lead exactly what we did last year when they, like, they managed to get a point out of it. But Jesus, talk about a big celebration up at St. James's Park for throwing away a 3 1 lead. <laughs> but I want to start. And no other place. Where the fuck else could I start after what unfolded on Tuesday night? It turns out, Douglas Weeds can not only find the top corner, he can find it from the fucking corner flag. So if he can do that from the corner flag, what has been going on with these free kicks for years now? We've been subjected to years of nonsense from his free kicks. Like, we got to a stage where our free kick, our set-piece specialist, would prefer Douglas Weeds, who, by the way, can score, he can hit the top corner from the corner flag. He would prefer him to roll the ball backwards from Matt Cash to have a shot from 40 yards out. Like, well, what, what the fuck? What, 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 how have we gotten here? And I, I don't know. I was, I was already ready to ask you, did he mean it? And then Gerard came in. Like he, he sort of ran away as if he did mean it. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I would do that as well. But then <laughs> Gerard came out afterwards and said, I saw him do it yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure you did, mate. And then Villa posted, <laughs> he posted, he did it yesterday. Exactly identical. The players clapping like, you know, yeah, you've done it. Good job. And I'm like, why the fuck did we waste that on Bolton in the League Cup? Our <laughs> uh, set pieces are that, are that effective, that good, that we can afford to just throw out some free ones in the League Cup when it doesn't matter. Like, oh, unbelievable. Yeah, whenever I saw it, I was like, oh, great. We have footage of him overhitting a corner and training as well. (laughs) Uh, It's a a brilliant set piece, regardless of whether or not its intention is that it goes directly into the top corner. I mean, the trajectory of the ball is so good that nobody can get near it until it's 
a yard from the top corner. I mean, it's just whipped in at the perfect angle and height. And initially, yeah, I was annoyed as well that it's been wasted against Derby. But then I realized, of course it's not wasted. Playing against Derby County and down Bodymore Heath are the only context of doggies whipping that into the top corner. It's like the, the videos of them in pre-season smashing free kicks into the top corner. And when it comes to the Premier League match day, the only threat he carries is to anyone with a fucking dr- cup of tea in the North Stand or the whole day. <laughs> do, hang on. Do you want to know what the funniest thing about all this is? Is that, do you remember last week I was calling Todd Bowley, Ted Bowley? Are you <laughs> deliberately disrespecting Bolton Wonders by calling them Derby County? <laughs> <laughs> All we need now is Ted Bowley to buy Bolton, and we're going to have a, going to have a field day. That was that was a a slight mistake, yeah. But I actually think the worst thing about about this is they showed us the training clip where it looks like we're practicing attacking set pieces that are being defended by fucking inanimate objects, and only two of them as well. Like they talk about the scales falling from my eyes. It all makes sense now. All these wasted corners that are just being easily cleared by either the defenders of the opposition or our fucking defenders just heading it over the bar. It all makes sense now if this is how we're setting up attacking set-piece training news. Yeah, it's like doing a drill with a coach who who wants to play defensive football and to prove that it works, he, he gives you five extra defenders than the attackers have. <laughs> and then he shoots, look, they can't get a shot off. Look, it's working, they can't get through. Of course they can't. And this is never, the scenario is never going to unfold in a game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Maybe they're just spending all their time defending set pieces in training. Obviously, they're, they're not doing much of that either. And it's funny that you mention that. I think one of the guys in this drill where he's whipping the ball into the top corner from the corner flag is like Ollie Watkins who's told to just run in across the line at the near post and he just looks a bit pissed off he obviously walked off against Bolton pissed off that he was being subbed and it's like well if he's spending his training days watching Douglas Louise hit corners into the back of the net and now he, he doesn't get to play a full match like I would get very pissed off with this regime quickly as well Conan, he's not watching Douglas Louise whip corners into the top corner and training. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching him try it repeatedly and fail. But a great, a, like you're right, like the trajectory in that ball, great technique, That's great amazing. whip. Yeah, and like the only thing that would ever stop that going into the net is Ezra Konza coming along, getting his head on it. <laughs> <laughs> so if we can just keep Konza out of the way from attacking those balls, we're on to something. <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, we didn't talk about Liverpool and United. Um, Monday night football, obviously. Yeah. The only place really to start is... Well, Virgil van Dijk's non-defending, as some people called it, and James Milner's attempt to defend. What was Milner saying to Virgil van Dijk? Did you see the argument that they had afterwards? And he was not—he was not happy. It was—it was actually. He seems so pissed off that it reminded me of somebody who might have been pissed off at him for a few weeks now about something or about his casualness or whatever. I don't know. Am I being too kind? Part of me thinks that. You know, Van Dyke was he was he completely to blame? He looks a bit stupid. It's a good meme immediately. He's got his hands behind his back, doesn't do anything. They affected, but I don't know. Was Milner sort of too quick to dole out the criticism there? No, absolutely not. Milner was absolutely right to dole out the criticism. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on, right? Hang on. You you be you be James Milner in this argument. I'll be I'll be Virgil Van Dyke, and let's let's see let's see who's right. Right. Uh, do you need to take a shit? <laughs> So, so this has happened in Old Trafford. Now you're asking me, do I need to take a shit? Do you need to take a shit? Why are you asking me that? Because you're bent over like a fucking toddler in the supermarket who hasn't developed the muscularity in their sphincter, so they're <laughs> using their hands to hold it in. Well, what the fuck are you doing? Like, do you need to take a Do you need to take a sleep? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Lying on the floor on the grass in the middle of a game? We're playing football here. <laughs> Do you know who actually will who actually will shit themselves with even the suggestion of pressure, whether that pressure is applied to their bowels or not? Jaden Sancho. So once I go out and pressurize him, get ready at the other side. I'm not diving across the ground for no fucking reason. I'm doing it to make him do something. So get out, get ready. And even if he does take a good touch for the first time in his career, and you have no reason beforehand to suspect that he is going to do that. He's playing for Man United. Have you seen him for the last 14 months? Even if he does take a good touch, you should be there because you know he can only go in one direction. So get out and block the fucking ball. But it's shite, so why are you panicking so much? When, when, did, you, <laughs> when did you just pressure him? Like, what, Why are you selling yourself like that and letting him come back inside? Allison's already covering your side. Why the fuck have you taken the two of you out of it? Like, I wouldn't need to push out here if you just stood up and stopped freaking out. Sorry, sorry, you, Allison's covering. That's what you thought as well. That's why you're standing with your fucking hands behind your back. He's not. He's the goalkeeper. A guy's got a free shot from the penalty spot. Fucking do something. Can we bring Trent in here? What the fuck was he doing? Let's, let's get somebody else in here because I feel like this is all on me. You know, if he's just standing out there watching, he came to life when he saw he was about to score. What, what if I had a pushed out? Was there another man there, Bruno Fernandes, standing pointing into the bottom corner? Yeah, I think you're right. The, the, problem, the problem for Trent, particularly for this goal, but all game really, was nothing to do with his defensive noise. People are having a go with Trent for falling asleep at the 1-2. It was his fucking attitude. Yeah. It just, it's just... It's not just that he's... Fairly easily beaten by a one-two. He, like, he saw it and he didn't bother covering it. He, like, he didn't run hard enough. And then you're standing there, Virgil, <laughs> getting destroyed for whatever it is you're doing. But <laughs> Trent is equally watching this develop. Like He has to talk in now. 
once he's beaten by the one-two. The ball's in the penalty spot. Fucking Gomez is off trying to do your job. So now you have to react and get in there and block this shot as well. Because Sancho should be turning into you, but he's not. He's turning into fucking yards of space. Yeah, it was it was actually made worse because Trent has that classic, you know, the late reaction when you realise, oh fuck, he's actually he's come back this way now, and I yeah. still can get him. If he had to just stopped and then didn't go at all, it wouldn't have the optics wouldn't have been as bad or as yeah. obvious anyway. But um, like once he kicked back into life when he had stopped dead, if he had to just kept running the whole time, like there's like yeah, that that is the, like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just playing there with Van Dyke. Like you know, if he comes out, he's blocked the shot. If if Trent comes in, he's blocked the shot. Sancho was going nowhere, and uh, none of them do anything. And it's it didn't even have to whip it round if he's outside of his boot or anything. He actually hits it with the instep. It curls away from Van Dijk. He, he's standing that narrow. Like if he even sticks his leg out, if he does anything, they make himself a bit bigger. That shot could get blocked as well. The way he's whipping it into the bottom corner. But uh, yeah, like yeah. he's on the penalty spot. This isn't the time for like you know looking around, worrying about space, worrying about where the ball might hit. Like. Sancho's got a free shot from 10 yards out. Everybody fucking light on him. Forget about your man. Forget about your position on the pitch. Go to the fucking ball and block that shot. Yeah. Any final comments on that game, really? Like, there, there's, there's a few things that stick out to me. Like, well, I think it's obvious, really. This isn't any new information, so I don't really want to talk about it, but I don't know why I mentioned it, but I've spoken this much about it now. I might as well say it. United, <laughs> United obviously got the benefit of scoring and then got the benefit of having the attack, a counter-attack and being able to defend deep. Don't think they'll get that against teams like Brentford and teams like Brighton and teams like Southampton coming up this week. So that's a, a whole new ta- challenge for, for Ten Hag. Well, the Liverpool thing, though, interests me because... I think like, you know their fan base has very much been crying out for midfield and you know getting more reinforcements in the transfer window. And again, this probably isn't like you know mad insightful, but I I really feel like they miss Manny. And I, like I love Luis Diaz, I think he's absolutely brilliant. Manny's a, a killer, and it just it changes the shape for United and Liverpool in that game when you have another killer like Salah in the lineup, and it just. It brings everybody else up the pitch in all their 10, 15 yards. It it panics to everybody else on the other team. It gives you an all goal threat. I just feel like they're they're really missing that as much as they're missing a midfield. But I feel like they've coped often with just a functional midfield. Maybe it's less functional than it has been over the years, but but really just missing that top dog alongside their front line is is, is obvious for them now. Yeah, and but I don't even think you have to go for Manny. I mean, Manny's gone. I mean, they can forget about that, and they've tried to replace him. They were missing Jota and Nunez as well yesterday. You know, like the yeah. team is completely different after that. Your fucking Firmino was playing as a playmaker. It was a, it was a waste of time. Like he was dropping far too deep, needlessly as well against against that Man United team. And look, what did we really learn that Elliot Henderson and Milner isn't as good a midfield as. Henderson, Fabinho, and Thiago. And <laughs> initially, I had sympathy with the fact that they haven't signed the midfielder. I, I, think I was thinking, how much is it going to cost them to get someone of the caliber of their first choice three? Like, and they also have to they, they also have to go all in on Harvey Elliott as well and make sure he gets to the top of the game where he belongs. But I then, but then I realized they're going to have to sign a midfielder next year anyway. So now that they've got this injury crisis. The fact that Milner, despite his best attempts to convince us otherwise, isn't a cyborg. Henderson is on a steep, a really steep downward trajectory. Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain can't be trusted. And Will Jones definitely get to the level that Liverpool needs. 
I don't know. I think that's still for a question. That's still a question. So they probably do need to sign a midfielder anyway. So I can I can understand the frustration of people that are thinking, Jesus Christ. But I can also understand why if you've got Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, Harvey Elliott, why you'd be like, well, we're not going to fucking just launch 80 million and sign another midfielder because that's the expenditure you need to get to that level of player again. Yeah, it just makes me think that, that Bellingham's obviously in the, in, in the future. Yeah. Um, but but it's a risk as well because they're not going to be the only ones looking for him, but maybe they are in pole position and maybe they are looking to put their eggs into that basket. And if they get him, then it's an all-or masterstroke like the Van Dyke thing. Just wait for the the best that you can get to take to take another hit for another few months. But um, I think it's just it's all in to start start a sight now when when obviously they started the way they have. But um, yeah, plenty. Plenty more football to be played and we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with what's worse, what's better. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted with one proviso. Oh, no. All right, let's rattle through some what's worse, what's better. What's worse, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang having a tattoo of himself in an Arsenal shirt after four seasons there. Or or Aubameyang having a tattoo of himself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, he has a tattoo of himself from the year he finished eighth. I mean, it's it's perfect. (laughs) It's perfect, really. Like, he... He probably missed a couple of training sessions to get the tattoo done as well. I mean, it's it's baffling what's going on through his head when he's doing that. I mean, he was about as committed to Arsenal as John Terry was to his friendship away in Bridge. And the only tattoo I can think of that would be worse would be if it was Mesut Ozo's face instead of his own. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's a really weird one. Um, like he, I don't think he had that great a time there. It didn't end that well. He's had better... He's, he's had a better career elsewhere. Like, so it's just a strange one that he wants to mark his time there and he wants to mark it with a, a big picture of himself on his arm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very much Brendan Rodgers vibes of the like, portrait in his, his front living room. Um, <laughs> the thing with Aubameyang as well, we'll move off him now, but like, uh, uh, watching that documentary, and we're going to come back to it, don't worry. Um, <laughs> he, he doesn't... Like, he's definitely not a captain. I don't know who like decided that. Maybe it was part of his new contract, but... um. Like he doesn't seem to want to be captain. He's not a dickhead in any way. He's just, he's very much he's his own person, just very detached from everybody. He shows up late, but even then, he's not, he doesn't throw his weight around. He doesn't seem to have a big ego. I think he's just absent minded. Like, it's probably his biggest fault. And uh, it's, it's like just, it's, it's definitely the worst example of a captain that I've seen. Um, but not for like probably the reasons that you'd think, not for him being a, a cunt, really. Although then when you see tattoos of himself on his arm, maybe maybe he's very good <laughs> into that territory. Um, what's better? Ronaldo blanking Jamie Carragher or Keane send him, I'll see you later, Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't think he'd call him Ronaldo. Good to see you, Ronaldo. Take it easy. Yeah, yeah, the Carragher thing's mad. Like, what would you do if your former colleague and captain was standing next to someone you'd never spoken to before? <laughs> now, now, imagine if that stranger had spent the previous year calling you a cunt. 
Yeah. Like imagine imagine how many pages of Ronaldo's big squat book of wires who upset at me are dedicated to Jamie Carragher's legs coming. Of course Ronaldo didn't say hello to him. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is um I don't know what Jamie Carragher was expecting really. And he he, he not only turned him, he followed his body around him with like his body would face in front. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to turn to me at some stage here. Like, no, he's not. He's, he's not talking to Keane. And now he's gone. Um, yeah, like, and he has probably agreed with a lot of what he said, but he, he hasn't sat on the fence when it comes to Ronaldo. He has argued very vociferously with Neville and Keane about Ronaldo and Ronaldo's impact. And, you know, he, he's, he's disrespected him. <laughs> a man who doesn't like being disrespected. And the man, as we know, yeah, remembers. Not only does he remember, he takes note. <laughs> he, he literally takes note. And in a way, I have a bit more respect for Ronaldo. I remember like, I remember trying to talk to uh, Graham Whelan. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking about Aston Villa. We've got an award named after him here because of his effect on Aston Villa, really. Uh, Ireland had beaten Sweden, or they didn't even beat them. It was a 1-1 win for Ireland against Sweden at the Euros. <laughs> and uh, Glenn Whelan was really good. He was part of that pivot that was so effective in stopping uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He nicked the ball away from him loads of times. It was definitely the best game that I could remember. I recall of Glenn Whelan's for Ireland across 90-odd fucking caps. <laughs> and then Glenn Whelan comes out, and I've spent years, like you know, not only personally, and on podcasts and whatever else, but just professionally writing in a national media outlet about Glenn Whelan and why he's shit and why he shouldn't be playing and it's a disgrace that he's there and Wes Hullahan's not starting and blah, blah, blah. Glenn Whelan comes out and then I'm the fucking loser and I'm like, Glenn, 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 can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> I've never once asked him when he was playing so badly. Like, that's the sort of person I am. Like, when he plays good, then I want to chat to him. And I respected him so much for just walking by Every one of us, because <laughs> because all we were alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all we did was slay him for years, and now we want to talk to him in his moment of glory. And uh, he held true to his principles anyway. Yeah, yeah. And just on Roy Keane as well. So strange for him, like you know, not just to use his mate's surname, but the conversation had long since finished as well. I mean, the opportunity to make plans was well past. <laughs> He's gone back to work, Roy. If, if anything, you call him Ronaldo is going to make it sound like and make him think that you've gone back to work as well. Because that is the only context you should be referring to. Them. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. Keem was getting a lot of love that night. Um, even Casemiro came over to say hello to him. I don't know, is it just an Irish thing really where like, you know, we just sort of every so often need that validation on, on a world stage that, that, that our people are, are recognised and loved and you know, obviously Keem doesn't need that same affirmation that I obviously need. Um, He's obviously st- in good standing amongst the greats in football but something I liked about Ronaldo being so excited to see him and even Casemiro, I'm like, where? How, how would he even know Keane? How would he not know Keane? Really? <laughs> but he's just, a, he's just a little boy from Cork. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, two 30-year-olds who are obsessed with football recognise and know one of the best midfielders <laughs> of this generation. <laughs> Last one. I don't know if this is a what's worse or what's better, so I thought I'd ask you. Declan Rice singing Rice Rice Baby on a league of their own <laughs> as West Ham seasons plummeting. Um, is this good or bad? Like I, I, I came into this like, and it wasn't helped. Like the, the the tweet that went along with it, I think it was from Barstool Football, said like this is 
the best thing you're ever going to see. So like, what a like that's like somebody introducing you and saying this boy's really funny, and like you're, you're already you're already hated. Like you know somebody tells you somebody tells you about how sound and what like how, how great a conversation somebody is that you're about to meet. Like you you immediately you immediately you're going to try and find them out. Like you're know, this boy, he's already on my radar. But um, so I came into this willing to hate it. And he was very good at rapping. Like that, like that did stand up on his own. He actually was a good rapper. Now it's the context mm. of it. It's obviously recorded a days ago, but now West Ham are going really badly. I saw an article in Pundit Arena saying um, if if that was Lingard or if that was Pogba, like what would the reaction be? And I think that's that's a fair point. Yeah, and I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, it's their own. Needless, needless to say, this isn't my own. <laughs> and needless, needless to say, although this is the second time I'm saying it in quick succession, Declan Rice awkwardly mumbling a shit song in karaoke isn't my cup of tea. <laughs> watching, watching Mika Richards getting the party going, acting as a hype man, which closely resembled his footballing career, to be fair, isn't how I have fun. Jamie Carragher being on my TV screen, regardless of whatever else is happening, <laughs> isn't my idea of entertainment. Like I, I bet you Mika Richards has turned up, turned up to the location of a house party at fucking six o'clock in the evening and said, "I thought this was a party." <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually just remembering this actually happened to me. We were throwing a house party one night, and obviously, a a lad who was. A lad who was friends with a housemate who wasn't there, a lad I barely knew and didn't like anyway, turned <laughs> up as a different friend of mine were, and I were making dinner. And I I can't really remember what he said, but it was something along the lines of, this is some party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I said back to him, this, this isn't a party. This is two mates making dinner in the kitchen. With a stranger who has nothing better to do, watching them from the doorway, <laughs> and also you're part of this crack or no crack now as well. It's like well, it's exactly, like yeah, yeah to- tooting your horn when you're in a traffic jam as if you're not part of the problem. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave uh, what's worse or what's better there, and we'll come back with the awards. You think you think Harry Maguire is a bigger loss than Harry Kane? Yeah, I do. You lose Harry Maguire. That's a big problem for Gareth Southgate. His biggest problem? Yeah, I think it's his biggest problem. Are you mental? This is analysis that you have to pay to get. That's bollocks on so many levels because, like, number one is Harry Maguire. Oh, God, I cannot believe that Harry Maguire has played six games this season and he's made the same mistake five times. Number two, the drop-off from Harry Maguire to Tyrone Mings is not what Gary fucking Neville thinks it is. And I remember we were saying, Harry Maguire. 
Gary Neville, for some reason, has disappeared up Gareth Southgate's arse. I think we've got the best manager we could possibly have for an international team. I just don't know why Gary Neville is persistent in trying to talk him into Franz Beckenberg. He's a fucking siren calling England to shipwreck. Harry Maguire injured, I think the ability to go to a back four is lost. He was by far the worst player on the pitch. Come He's on, uh, really shit. <laughs> Imagine Harry Maguire was missing. Harry Maguire! <laughs> but it's absolutely unbelievable how whenever you play a ball to a fridge, you end up conceding the chance. Most blocks, most interceptions, most headers, most tackles. For Man United, he had more blocks than Lindelof. Harry Maguire! Harry Maguire. He just cannot get the ball out of his feet. And I know he cost 80 million, so it must be difficult for people to, to make the link that he's actually shit, but just make that link. Harry Maguire. 50% of Gareth Southgate's preferred team started the Champions League final three weeks ago. We've collected more trophies in England than Harry Maguire has convictions in Greece. Harry Maguire! You would pick a team with Maguire and Calvert-Lewin rather than Mings and Harry fucking team. Uh, uh, apologies to the fans. There's no emotion behind it. England's most important player is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! <laughs> that is just insane stuff. Grow up, Gary Neville. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is there anything better than starting the awards categories with a new award? Oh. I've got the receipts award. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to enjoy this because I am someone, even though I don't often vocalize it, maybe I do on podcast form, but not in real life because, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have any friends. But I like to remember things, you know, when people were wrong or when they said something stupid. Um, and this is just going to be a good way you now of bringing up anything that I remember when people were stupid. 
<laughs> I think the winners this week. And I, like, by the way, I'm all for anybody who wants to send in recommendations. If you remember anything from last year, from 10 years ago, from someone that just hasn't aged well, send it on to me. I'll definitely enjoy that, like joining you in that cynicism. Well, uh, let's, let's hang on there. You know, they might send in a few things from the Villa podcast as well, mate. So <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Okay, yeah. Just let me look after his award. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got the receipts. Remember when Brighton fans booed them off because they drew with Leeds? Oh. <laughs> November 21st. Like, that was just November 21st. That wasn't long ago at all. We were appointing Stephen Gerrard around the same time. They were eighth in the league. <laughs> And they were being booed off because they succumbed to a goalless draw against Leeds United. Now, do you have a massive problem with this? I mean, you said it about the transfer window. Football fans are just after the next hit. Like You know, eating bread is soon forgotten. And with fucking football fans, we could be keeled over with stomach cramps and still have our hands out asking for another baguette. <laughs> I think we're not rational. And we don't want to be either, and we, I don't want any other football fan to be rational. When you're when you're trying to figure out your disposable income after your mortgage, your food, your nappies, your school books, or whether or not you can take on more debt, be rational then. When someone lets you down, take a step back, put yourself in their shoes, don't labour them with your expectations, treat them with the same kindness you'd want to be treated with. If, if you're just not fucking arse going for a pint or out for dinner or to hang out with her parents, that's fine and just let it be fine for everybody else as well. <laughs> but when Douglas Louise runs over a free kick and there's nobody behind him to hit it, get angry. That's all right. Like Atmospheres and stadiums rely on that irrationality. Like I said before, if you want the, the unbridled joy, that manic euphoria and support, then you're going to get manic despair and opposition as well. Like make, make sure you're doing your best to confine the despair to support in Aston Villa. Like, you know, confine it to that side of your life and recognize it, but recognize it as a perfectly fine emotional response to Matt Target trying to save the Vicarage Road groundsman a bit of time by chewing the fucking grass for him. And try, try, try to make the, the opposition as constructive as possible. And try to leave it, try to leave it to either side of the whistles as well. You know, as in, don't be being a prick in the stadium. Support the team when you're in there. And football fans will generally support through bad times as well if they can see the general progression and trend. Like if, you know, if they can see that the club and manager and the players are doing the right things, that does make the Brighton boos a bit strange. But to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But sure, didn't we fucking boo when we drew the wolves to not go top of the table? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Martin O'Neill probably still can hear that now. That's probably what turned him so grumpy in the end. Um, yeah, like you, you are raising a good point. I still don't think I'll ever come away from like the fact that you know, Jesus Christ, like you know, you're on to something good, and it's proven again this season. It's proven over the long term the progression, the improvement, the football that everybody wants. Your manager going well you know you draw at home that's grand like just swallow that and move on to the next one like don't boo them off but but i do find it triggering do you know when <sighs> imagine that crystal palace game last week you've been battered by them by patrick vieira's team and mm-hmm. you want blood really you don't want that <laughs> you, you know <laughs> you don't want that 
Aston Villa Twitter account interview at away games throwing softballs to Steven Gerrard, like repeating what he's just said to him, the question before. Um, you, you want, yeah, you, you are looking for retribution <laughs> for the want of a better word. But, I, and, and sorry, the thing that triggers me most then is when people say, ah, oh, but, you know, like, Jesus Christ, three years ago we were in the championship. Like, I don't want that to be the bar. Like, I don't want to keep thinking back to that. <laughs> Or are people are people really giving out when we had the 2015-16 season? It's like, yes, like that was fucking awful. That was stomach churning, gut wrenching, disastrous. Almost, almost led to Villa going into oblivion. Like, I, no, I, I don't want to just be above that. I don't want to be a rung above that all the time. I want, <laughs> I want to be as far away as possible from that. So maybe I'm a bit hypocritical when I. I, I like that would be a trigger then as well. Like remember when Grealish left? I remember Jamie Carragher wrote an article like, you know, what the fuck? Who do Villa fans think they are? You know, wish him well. And that's that's probably now the the vibes I'm giving towards Brighton. Like, you know, who do who do Brighton think they are? Mm. You know, even though they've they've meticulously gotten better and better and better and their standards have raised because of that. But I'm just yeah. saying to them, but remember four years ago? <laughs> no, you're right though. It, it... You would like to think that everybody would be able to step back and see that and see, look, it's still going well. That was one draw in isolation. We're fucking class. We've got one of the best managers in the league. Our players aren't that good and we're completely overperforming what our wage bill is. That's stuff that people should be able to see and say. And that's the type of thing that I would try to control myself with if I could see constant, continuous progression with Aston Villa as well. But I don't think anybody should be required to control themselves. It's all right to be an arsehole. It's all right to lose the run of yourself whenever you're talking about sport. I think, like you said before, that's your role as a fan. You're (laughs) an emotional idiot about it. Otherwise, what's the fucking point? Just go read a book. Yeah, just let it go. Just enjoy it. Speaking of which, the Con and Doherty, I'm getting Delph at the back of my shirt. Worst Twitter shirt <laughs> of the week. Worst Twitter shirt. Uh, honorable mention, like there was loads of gold to be had around that United Liverpool game. Um, just one that stood out in the middle of it all. Random United fan quote: "Imagine how this would feel with new owners." We're not going to talk too much about that, but everything's gone well. Perfect night to beat in Liverpool. Party atmosphere. Uh, new signing announced. The new sign is on the pitch already, or or flying. New manager looks to be good. Um, and then yeah, I think that's it's always a constant reminder in the back of the throats. And then the only yeah. other one I want. Sorry, go on. It's, it's, it, I would have thought this was a big day for the Glazers, who who I assume deserve a massive amount of credit for the results, seeing as they were also to blame for the players <laughs> walking around the pitch against Brighton and Brentford. Surely <laughs> they they, re, they really put it right in Monday whenever the players fucking ran for once. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 praise wasn't the proportional reaction that it was to the to the criticism that they got. The winner is Jake Humphreys, though, um, <laughs> who has just taken it upon himself. He saw the likes. He saw he saw a club in need of a hero, and that club was Newcastle United. And uh, we've spoken about him before on the podcast about just just like unbelievably so and unnecessarily so aggressively defending them I remember he had that little pop at people who were having pops at this club and they're finding it hard to do that now sniping on the sidelines <laughs> that, that was a quote when he was in charge of BT Sport Premier League when he's not, he's not anymore uh, I go to his Twitter account for some 
some good laughs about that. Uh, he just he just tweeted after the Newcastle Man City game, the the three three win that they had up there. Um, <laughs> quote: "The entertainers are back." And I was like, "Oh, this is just you know." And then it's it follows up that like they're worse. I get that they they have somebody in the media who are standing up for them, and that's rare. Uh, but like he's not the person you want. <laughs> like all the replies to Jake Humphreys tweeting about Newcastle, and he's always just licking their holes. It's just like, thanks, Jake. Good to have a voice. Thank you, Jake. You know, you do great work for us. Blah blah blah. He doesn't work for the club, but he seems to think now this is a good inroad for me to have somebody like me. <laughs> but like, isn't isn't Saudi Arabia such a strange hill to die on? I mean, it's. <laughs> It's it's so baffling. I'm actually beginning to suspect that he foresaw Putin's invasion of Ukraine and the the amplifying effect that that had on the energy crisis. And he's he's hedged his bets by getting into bed with the Saudis even before Johnson and Biden and Schultz and Macron. I mean, that that sounds ridiculous, but he, he has shown this prescience before when he railed against popular opinion two years ago that told him there was no future in the podcasting business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was uh like one of one of jake's uh many endearing qualities is his linkedin posts and uh and back in 2020 well he, he was talking about this a few months ago back in 2020 they told him there was no future in podcasts and uh <laughs> and he, he saw someone that nobody else saw back in 2020 but like the, the Saudi Arabia, <laughs> it's not it's not even just limited to jake humphreys like i heard john bruin He's a freelancer, but he does a lot of work for the Guardian and stuff as well. Like he he said that Saudi Arabia haven't spent that much money. Um, he said he's sort of making out that he was pleasantly surprised by by how they've approached their progress. And he said he said like quote I'm going to credit Newcastle for doing things sensibly. Newcastle have not yet spent the money in the fashion they were expected to. And then he, he did say. I know they spent 100 million in January. Um, <laughs> no, that, that, it was actually 117 million in January as well, 117.5. Um, but then he also said about their growth, this is unbelievable. Like, you, you, like you compared it to Man City, and he said they probably learned from the mistakes of Man City. Like the mistakes of like Man City are by far the best team in the world. Um, he said Newcastle's growth seems to be a bit more organic. Like that, that is just crazy <laughs> stuff. And, and you know, aside from the fact that they bought an entire new defense, <laughs> a new goalkeeper, a new manager. They bought their best midfielder now. They rocketed their wage bill. They broke records in January without 117 million spending. Like, and that was the only full transfer window to date, by the way. They're, they're, <laughs> they're now also about to smash their record signing fee for Alexander Isaac. And this is after they bought another striker in the last window as well, who doesn't start from now at the minute. Like, the, like this. Like, don't say that they're they're not spending. Don't say that this is all down to Eddie Howe, who is doing a good job. But the, the, Jesus Christ, the context here is that they're spending money like nobody else is spending it. And uh, of course, of course, they're improving like that. If it, if they weren't going like this, he would probably be out of a job, and rightly so. Yeah, and sorry, they they only paying one hundred seventeen million in January, and then whatever tens of millions they've already spent this summer. That's not just down to the fact that you know they're trying to grow organically. It's down to the fact that they've missed out on a lot of their transfer targets as well, and they will <laughs> yeah. move on to new transfer targets before the end of this window. He went up there. He went. I'd say he went at least a week early on that. Colin, to be honest, I think this article would have been better 
better off waiting until the end of the transfer window and then see where we're fucking at. And also we'll analyze the amount of yeah. money they actually have spent as well. <laughs> yeah. um, that's something else we'll probably revisit. The Sam Allardyce We Are Tactics Him Award. I actually have three nominations for this. And we have a previous winner of this. Like the, This award, I think, started a bit ironic and now I'm starting to just give praise out to people with it. So we'll just, we'll just see how it goes. We'll let it grow organically and see uh, <laughs> see how each week takes us. But um, like Thomas Tuchel is just the latest manager in the list of a long line of Premier League managers to hit Jesse Marsh. <laughs> and I have to say... I respect this guy to no end because of it. Like we already had Bruno Lage cracking up at him, couldn't deal with it. And now Thomas Tuchel spitting feathers like he came out. Like Leeds just fucking hammered him. The thing, the, the scary thing about this, not not from, and I don't want to sound like Thomas Tuchel, but um, not from a Leeds point of view per se, who were absolutely brilliant. But Chelsea, when it was 2-0, never mind 3, it just didn't look like, didn't look like a big club would look like when they're 2-0 down to one of these teams. Like they, they, they should have just been like, pummeling them then trying to get the goal and they didn't really have any chances like maybe Leeds deserve more credit than I'm giving them and and Tuchel definitely didn't give them any he was a bit ratty afterwards when people were pointing out how good Leeds were and how much Leeds ran and I have to tell you like this stat is going to uh, get to me as well in a few weeks just uh, people pointing out how much another team ran compared to another team Jesus Christ like yeah if it's a big difference like the United one maybe but there's also I've mentioned this word a lot in this podcast context like you know most of the time the team who don't have the ball are going to do the most running. But uh, <laughs> but Thomas Tuchel said, we scored an own goal, which wasn't an own goal. It was mainly fucking up. I can see where he's coming from, but a bit unkind. Um, and we gave away an awfully cheap set piece. It's nothing to do with pressing, nothing to do with running, and nothing to do with the style of leads. We should not confuse the two things. We were able to cope with that style and be the better team. And we were able to be in a position to be 2-0 up. Well, they had to be 2-0 down before they conceded a third one. Uh, give, giving our own goal and a set piece away has nothing to do with it. I don't see the connection because we lost the game. Nothing to do with Leeds. Uh, two goals cost us. Blah, blah, blah. You know, Thomas set piece don't count Tuchel. Like, you know, what, <laughs> what, what does this mean? Like, you know, like the, the, we scored... We conceded our own goal, which we didn't, and they scored from a set piece. Like, yeah, that that's your job to stop them scoring from a set piece. So I'd say that's even more annoying that they scored from a set piece, or more on you that they scored from a set piece. You're like the coaching staff is more culpable that you're letting a team score from what is a set piece for you as well. You're allowed to set up when they're allowed to set up and you're allowed to stop them. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, I think. I think every outfield player running an average of one kilometer more than the opposition's outfield players, like in, in what is commonly referred to as a game of inches, Conan, I think that might have contributed to winning the game as well. And let's not forget that 20 of those 11,000 meters that Tuchel is talking about were those very meters that led to Mendy shitting the fucking bed as well. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and. It doesn't count if our keeper makes a mistake. It's like the opposite of people saying dismissively, they would have been hammered if it wasn't for their keeper. Having a good goalkeeper is a perfectly legitimate approach to squad building. And if your keeper <laughs> fucks up, that's your team's fault. He's part of your fucking team. Yeah. And one team's players playing shite and the opposition team's players not playing shite, even if that's all that happens, that means the opposition deserve to win as well. <laughs> I did hear somebody say today, uh, this is a journalist as well, I can't remember who it was, but uh, they expected Tottenham to have more momentum at this stage. It's been three fucking games and they've won two of them. 
they've won two and drawn away to Chelsea. And and, and I think the slight that was put on them was that Harry Kane has saved. He plays for the team. Like, uh, Harry Kane <laughs> is going to score those goals loads this season. Like, get used to it. <laughs> and, yeah, I didn't, didn't really see the connection. But, uh, yeah, Per Thomas rattles and Jesse Marsh marches on, really. Um, Pep Guardiola is another nomination. He wants to slow the game down. Like, this, we've been on to this boy for a long time now. Uh, qualified. Pep Guardiola is a good manager but um, his big takeaway from the Newcastle game was that we should spend more time in the final third, give more passes in that moment. Um, it's difficult though because Haaland and Phil Phil Foden, who he seems to hate now this season has this aggression to go if that was Jack or Riyad or Bernardo they are more calm and they help us be together and why why does he say that because when we lose the ball which is all he gives a fuck about we are there and they cannot run the opponents like this guy uh, he would happily draw every game nil nil like all he cares about is not conceding the goal <laughs> and, and the byproduct of the teams that he has and, and the way he sets up is just that they happen to score goals a lot yeah, it, it is It is strange that one of the most attacking coaches in the world is only doing it because he's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't want anyone to find out what he's really like. And look, Conan, if you do anything with enough confidence, you'll get away with it, particularly if you also have enough money to get away with it. But <laughs> this, this is something you've been, you've been calling out, like this possession-based defence for a long time. And it's one of the reasons that unless they're playing Liverpool or in the latter stages of the Champions League, I am unlikely to watch Man City. Their games can just be so turgid because of this. And unfortunately for me, I really came to that determination before this weekend and didn't bother watching Oil Classico <laughs> and miss an absolute <laughs> fucking cracker. <laughs> uh, shout out, of course, for Mikel Arteta. <laughs> I'm not finished the Arsenal documentary yet, but geez, I'm loving it. Really good show. Um, this probably is a bit more of an ironic one, but uh, before the Liverpool game, this is the one we already spoke about his uh, antics when he, he played You'll Never Walk Alone and during a training session. But they got Liverpool back at home, back at Fortress Emirates. And um, he he had a team talk, a very special team talk. He has these team talks every game, and it's always about an hour before, so I don't know how much value it has really. Um, he talks to them before they're even changed like a big motivational thing this is like I spoke about the Norwich one last week where he's talking about how he almost died <laughs> you know and then they have to go and train or warm up or whatever for an hour and get ready and then, and then play Norwich which is going to be fine anyway um, with, with this story of Mikel's like floating around their head but this time he goes to the whiteboard he loves the whiteboard he writes down four very simple words have a great night and uh, and then he goes on to tell them how he met his girlfriend story of how he met his girlfriend he, he brings it in a bit funny initially he's like didn't know how to get over to her I went down the left didn't work went down the right didn't work wasn't that funny but the players just saw the manager yeah you know just sort of bouncing around and changing them. Sort of, they knew it was a cue to laugh um, didn't, know how to, didn't know how to approach her and then he got talking there. So he actually doesn't tell us how he got talking there. So it was no use whatsoever, the story. Like he just, you know, he's telling us how he, how to get in, thinking about how to get in. Suddenly he is in and he's not telling us how he got there. Um, he just <laughs> says he had to dig. So to have a great night, this is his quote now, to have a great night, guys, I don't know how to start or finish. I just know you have to do something. 
They lost 2-0. <laughs> Surely he just said to her, Edison invented the light bulb. Today I, I want to see us connect because a bulb a bulb by itself is nothing. I want us to connect together to shine. I want us to transmit energy and passion. Sorry, this is actually sounding a lot weirder than I thought it would have been really. Her head was such a creep. <laughs> All right, the winner. I think the winner goes to Jesse Marsh again. Any complaints to that? Oh, no, no. Jesse, Jesse Marsh can keep collecting collecting awards because they call that diving cunt a diving cunt. <laughs> uh, the cheekiest spin by my pals in the media of the week. Uh, this was a great article. Like this, like this was like unbelievable stuff in the Daily Mirror, right? And I, I genuinely mean that, right? Because I used to work in a website and. You know, we'd often like obviously the word that gets banded around is clickbait, and I, I didn't I didn't mind that word clickbait because he did want people to click into the story. That was the whole point of it. The same way, you know, a newspaper gives you a revealing headline at the start because they want you to turn to page three and they want you to buy the paper to, to do that. Like the, everybody does it. You know, movies do it. They give you a little snippet and they want you to go watch the movie. It's all bait to buy what you want or to use that transaction or go through the transaction that you want. But um, I think the the word that I always to always tell my team to avoid was trick bit. You know, don't, don't be tricking people. Don't be bringing them in for some shit. Like that. That's when people are sold a pup. Then that's when they do get angry. Like I, I always thought, if we're getting people to click, if we're enticing them to click, that's okay because like we're hopefully don't going to give them value then when they come here and they won't feel pissed off when they're here reading it. Like what a what a bad advertisement that is for the stuff that you're doing. But uh, the Daily Mirror are like masters of this stuff. So the headline is Bruno Fernandez's fierce response to Jurgen Klopp complaints as pair clash again. And you have to just even look at just look at that headline. Uh, the way to have Jurgen Klopp complaints. Like that's there for SEO purposes. Like they know people will be typing that sort of stuff into Google as well, so they want this in the headline. And I'm just going to go through the order of this article. It starts in January 2021, so it's not going to get you straight into it because they want to keep you on this article for a while and then subject you to the the shit that you're going to get subjected to along the way. And it's talking about um the time Klopp had that dig at Solskjaer's team for getting other word of penalties. Mm-hmm. Not even a dig. He just mentioned that United he put a bit of pressure on referees basically to not give them penalties. Then we get a read more. Out of control, Fernandez slammed after taking captaincy. <laughs> Read more. Rio Ferdinand compares Malasia to United legend. And then the article goes on to uh, Bruno's response to the 2021 piece of Jurgen Klopp. So we're not getting to the crux of this article just yet. Uh, you'll probably end up forgetting what the piece is about by the time you get there. Uh, yeah. Bruno's response, by the way, back then was, I'm not focused on what other people say. Watch Robert Lewandowski video. <laughs> Hyperlink, do you think Klopp complains too much? <laughs> Let us know in the comments here. Oh. And the article continues. We're just going through the Premier League season so far. And how Liverpool have gotten on, how United have gotten on after three games. Who's doing what? Who's who's sitting where? Who's who's transferred? Who's a new manager? Is, that, is this the same article? This is the, this is the article about Bruno Fernandez's fierce response to Jurgen Klopp complaints. as Perkins. <laughs> Read more. Something about Harry Maguire being shit. Like, they know people are clicking <laughs> that. Jurgen Klopp has a five-point plan to turn things around at Liverpool. Similar articles. Bruno lifts the lid on private chat with Ronaldo. <laughs> this is actually brilliant. Eric Ten Hag 
trick to get United players to run. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we already talked about that. Then, then we finally get to Bruno Spears' response. Uh, it's a Jurgen Klopp quote. <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen Klopp says about Bruno Spears' response, uh, quote, it was the most harmless conversation I've ever had with a player. <laughs> <laughs> Martinez went down I thought it was nothing Fernandez made a bit of it and he said to me afterwards you do the same but it was fine after he told me he needs these kinds of conversation I said okay use me <laughs> oh my that is fucking pathetic even for your pals in the media was there not enough to talk about from that game as well? And also, if, you, if you're if you going to talk about Bruno Fernandes, there are more interesting things to talk about. Like, maybe have an article asking why he retired from football last year to become a fucking whaling banshee. <laughs> you sent me a screenshot earlier, I think it was today actually, that showed his booking for that fucking pathetic dive during the Liverpool game was his first for simulation. And... As fucking astonishing as that is, even with the fact that that the FA, UEFA and FIFA have shown no desire to get rid of diving at any stage in the last 30 years, as astonishing as it is that someone who simulates being touched more regularly in a fucking fleshlight quality assure, the fact, the fact that he only has eight yellow cards for descent was the most shocking thing in that, scre- in that screen grab. Like when I think about Bruno Fernandes, all I can see is him marching towards the referee with his thumb and index finger pressed together and his palms facing upwards. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad sight that, he, that he's conjured up for himself over the last year. Last one. Questions we can't answer, but you want this to anyway. This isn't really something that you want this to anyway. This is something that I want answered. Um, <laughs> I've overruled this category because I think it's time. We're getting closer we are getting closer to World Cup territory and Gareth Southgate <laughs> conversations yet again. I mean, this is going to be really interesting now because the question is, Gareth Southgate is still going to call up the likes of Grealish and Maguire and the rest of them, isn't he? You know, after all his promises, remember, remember how pissed off we were? Grealish was fucking flying. It was never enough for Gareth. He wasn't doing it at a high enough standard. Now he's at a bigger... Oh, let's correct that. Now he's at a better team. <laughs> <laughs> And he's not playing, but that's that's enough. Harry Maguire had a better team, not playing. That's going to be enough. He's got enough credit in the bank for Gareth. Like you look at it, four of his what was a back seven in the Euros: Luke Shaw, Calvin Phillips, John Stones, Harry Maguire. I know John Stones started last day, but he's not going to start for them regularly. They're not starting for their teams anymore, and it's actually it's really bad timing and fairness for him. But he's not going to change or do anything to. To actually say I pick players in form because that's not what he does. It's just something he says when he doesn't pick who he doesn't want to pick. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is exactly what he'll do. And on the Maguire front, look, it, it'll be good for him. Like you know, these next three months will give him a chance to shake off the cobwebs and finally get over his Euros hangover. And it'll be <laughs> it'll, it it'll be fun or nauseating to listen to him explain that, that Maguire retains his place because he has big game experience so not playing regularly doesn't matter but then in the same press conference they'll say 
Chilwell or Luke Shaw loses their place because not playing regularly does matter. Yeah. And Sterling is out because he's not in the best of form. And Grealish is in because this is a chance for him to show what he can do when he's not in the best of form for his club. You know, it'll, it'll be just an absolute ball of contradiction and yeah. nonsense that we'll get and that we'll have plenty of time to talk about. You're acting like fucking Brian Thomas here, bringing in bringing in World Cup talk in August. Like they put up their fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we won't burn all our Gareth Southgate material just yet. We'll, we'll save it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, like, he leaves this stuff open for me just to get wound up about and talk about, you know, whereas we just said, oh, well, I just picked the squad that I wanted to pick and I think it's going to be the best one going forward. <laughs> just like, yeah, fair enough. What can I say about that? Instead of like those balls of contradictions, as you say. But look, we'll leave them for now. Um, there'll be international bricks for Villa fans, especially to look forward to. And there'll be a nice <laughs> <laughs> a nice World Cup in the middle of it all to break everything up for us but uh, that's it Villa are on Sunday for the first time this season against West Ham the, this is a battle of the losers uh, David Moyes <laughs> David Moyes and Steven Gerrard both under pressure um, I have a feeling how it's going to go but I'm not going to <laughs> I'm not going to put, uh, put any predictions out there just yet we'll, we'll hope for the best and we'll chat to you on Sunday thanks a million for listening please share it on um, especially if you're a new listener if you're a non-villa fan and you're listening for the first time or if you are a villa fan and you have some non-villa fans in your life uh share it on with them as well if you wouldn't mind really appreciate it and uh see you sunday all the best Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.